podcast ain't played nobody. Let's just jump straight into it. RNL Carriers, New Orleans Bowl. <laughs> I don't Man, have I don't, is- I don't have a good lead this week. We're still getting our we're still getting our sea legs back after I've been gone. I'm on the backup mic because while I was on Special Project X, the podcasting mic got sent to the wrong office. So it's in California right now. It's being sent back to me. Um, so I literally just took the sock off of my foot, wrapped it around the crappy mic that I used to use on the show. So I apologize for the audio on my end. Let's talk about the 10 and 2 Troy Trojans and the 9 and 4 North Texas Mean Green. We're going to do this week's portions of bowl games. Let's go ahead and get the announcements out of the way, all right? Okay. This week's portions of bowl games. So that will be all the way through. We're going to throw in we're going to throw in the Frisco Bowl to you for free today. So we got seven bowl games to analyze. We've got the FCS playoffs. We have Celebration Bowl. Um, we're going to take some reader questions. And then also, let's just get the scheduling out of the way. Um, we are going to be back with a regular show next week to talk about the next series of bowls. And then immediately after that show, we're going to put a show in the can and then probably put it up a couple days later because I know most of you, like me, have to drive somewhere for the holidays, unlike Bill Connolly. Um, so we'll put that episode in the can. What we need from you guys is this. We, you, you can send us regular questions. That's fine. I know, Bill, you've got a stockpile, right? And we're going to get some fresh ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, we have a lot of questions to answer. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. I need year-end questions. So just hashtag myself. or You can at me. You can at Bill. You can at both of us. You can email us, whatever. Just hashtag it PAPN17. All right? And it's just a year-end question. It can be big picture. It can also be stuff looking forward. It can be anything about the state of college football. It's totally up to you. You guys are going to shape our year-end episode mainly because, one, we have to sort of do it out of time. Um, I'll be on the road for six days for the holidays because um, I'm just so lucky to drive 16 total hours. Um, And also, we want to look back. And it doesn't have to be the 2017 season. Um, I'm thinking more in a calendar perspective. That's okay with you. How do you feel about that? Do it. This is Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. This is a college football marriage of numbers and words. My name is Stephen Godfrey. I put it first because it's been so long since I've done that. I'm at 38 Godfrey. That's the robot Bill Connolly at SBN underscore Bill C. He is the author of multiple books of which you can find on the internets. You can find them on the Amazons. He is also the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. We, I feel like we're back this week. Last, week, yeah, was yeah, of, was, last uh, week was a weird greeting. It's, it's almost like I had a little bit of amnesia. It was very hard to do the show. It's it was a hard. half show. Put it out on a Saturday afternoon when nobody noticed. We're in the same room. It's just yeah, weird. That was weird. I mean, we're robot voices in each other's heads, you especially to me. Um, so it's nice to have the Cylon back in my ears. Um, you know what? The noon kickoff sucks, but the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. But are we doing? Uh, do you want to do sponsors, or do we want to be cool punk rock and do not sponsors? Uh, whatever comes out of your mouth, just right. whatever's yeah, natural. Sounds good to me. Um, this Troy North Texas game is one of those where you look at it at first glance and you're like, "Aren't they in the same conference?" Um, right. And that's fine if you think that. Cusa Sunbelt confusion is. It, it, I'll allow it. It's legal. It happens to me. It's okay. Especially yeah, there's the, also Middle Tennessee, Arkansas State later in the uh, in the evening, which is also like Sun Belt versus former Sun Belt. Right, they have a healthy conference record against each other. So yeah, it's weird, and that's okay. Um, but this these are two good teams, two good coaching staffs. 
Um, one of the things I want to track throughout as we go through these, I mentioned this on the on our, the reunion episode last week, Bill, was really, really critical of the bowl selection, the non-playoff bowl selection this year. Was really, really pleasantly surprised at how well some of these games matched up. Yeah. But because there's been a strong amount of turnover combined with the fact that we have early signing this year, it's, I think, not a priority for a lot of these people, especially the really the coaching staffs that are that have a game this the, in the next seven days have to reconcile a football game with early signing period. And so there's a couple pretty big programs in here that we're going to talk about. And I think this really does them a disservice. And if anything, this is a huge, huge motivating factor if you're a P5 team, especially, and I think we only have two, one, maybe P5 team. Um, oh, wait, yeah, maybe only one. When does yeah. Texas Tech play? Not in this particular Yeah, yeah no, they're the next Saturday. So, yeah, only right. one. Um, so this is a big motivating factor to get your rear end off of the first week pre-Christmas if we're going to keep this early signing stuff because it's just a massive, massive headache right now. Um, all right, Bill. Yo. Troy, North Texas. Yeah. I think you got to. Uh, I think I, I'm just going to go ahead and say you got to watch that one. Now it's this breaks my cardinal rule. Starting with a New Orleans bowl that isn't at night, you know how I feel about that. But no ULL either, but I do think both fan bases will turn out. I do think. Um, I think it'll be hopping. Yeah, I mean Troy. Good on Troy for still having Neil Brown. By the way. They went 10 and two. Uh, they beat LSU. They basically lived up to any and all expectations aside from the weird egg lane against South Alabama. Uh, that did not prevent them from winning or tying or however they determined the Sun Belt champions since Appalachian State didn't play anybody. Um, but they, you know, only other loss was at Boise State. They won their last six games. Uh, they have a legitimately solid defense. They, uh, you know, they are, you know, efficient. They prevent big plays. They, uh, have in terms of unadjusted like for opponent numbers, they have the best red zone defense, uh, according to my uh, stats in the country. They allow three points per trip inside the 40 yard line, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, you've got North Texas, who is very offense, uh, offensively, uh, we'll say offense forward. Their offense has come around faster than their defense has in two years under Seth Luttrell, which when you've got Seth Luttrell, when you've got Graham Harrell, hopefully future Missouri offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, um, you, it, it, this is one of those games where the matchups, the exciting matchups happen when one team has the ball, the other one, eh, we'll see. But when Troy is trying to defend North Texas, it should be very fun to watch. Um, both of these coaching staffs locked in. Uh, totally paying attention. Um, I think it's important for both of these coaching staffs to come out as Bulls debut, get another win. I mean, in Troy's case, they'd have 11 wins. That'd be massive. And in North Texas's case, they'd get to 10 wins. Both of these coaches are going to be marketed aggressively in 2018. Yeah. Um, your boy got in on the early wave because I already hung out at Troy back in August. <laughs> uh, but these are two rising stars. So I definitely think this is a game worth watching. They're, they're also, they're two teams worth watching. Yeah, and I would I would be surprised if Troy did not win. I think they're the better team. Okay. Uh, I mean, having said that, North Texas finished hot um, yeah. after getting smoked by. I mean, the really, I mean, uh, since they got back from Iowa, the only team they lost to is is having to go down to Boca twice and get stomped by Florida Atlantic. So uh, they're a good team, but I still I, I feel like I trust this Troy team a little bit more. The Auto Nation Cure Bowl 
Um, this would be in, I don't know, this is a damn Citrus Bowl. I don't know what it's called anymore. It's in Orlando. Uh, Camping si- World Stadium. Six and six, Western Kentucky. Six and five, Georgia State. Did Georgia State not play yeah. anybody because of a storm? They got they, uh, they had I a storm so. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not as appealing. No. Uh, both coaches and staffs completely locked in. Mike Sanford, six and six in his first year. Uh, pretty, pretty substantial talent turnover. Um, from Jeff Brom, six and six in his first year. I think he's probably not happy with it. You definitely take it. You keep Western Kentucky's bull streak going. Um, yep. But obviously, the stress on him is going to be a three year trajectory to get back to the top of the CUSA where Brom had them. Um, Georgia State, six and five. Elliot's first year. This is one of those um, moments where I'm like, I do this for a living, and I didn't notice that Georgia State won six games this year. Yeah, when they were bad, they were really, really bad. Um, you know, they, they lost, they let the Appalachian state game get away from them at home. Then they turned around and lost to Idaho at home to finish the season. They got stomped by Troy. Um, they got really stomped by Penn state. They lost to Tennessee state at the beginning of the season, uh, and won their other six games, uh, you know, on the road, this is a very funny year. You look like you look at their home road. They were, let's see, one and three, they were one and four at home. Uh, so the Turner field experiment did not go all that well. Uh, they were five and one on the road, just like you're just like God intended. So, um, I, it, that makes them really hard to read though. It's, it, it seems like it really is kind of an all or nothing situation with them. Um, and, and that leads me to favoring Western Kentucky until I glance back at their schedule and realize that they fell apart at the end of the year. So. I don't know what that means. They um, they got smoked by Florida International in their last regular season game. They did beat Middle Tennessee, which almost eliminated Middle Tennessee from bowl, uh, bowl contention. Uh, their losses were better uh, and more competitive, but they still didn't quite do what I kind of expected them to do this year. I still they're more talented. I assume they're going to win, uh, but it's not as much of a of a given as it probably should be. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say skip. You don't have to watch this one. It's on CBS Sports Network. Um, it's sort of weirdly timed as well, so maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, I hate you know we got five games and basically in quick succession 12 uh central 130 central 230 central 330 central and then the whole deck is cleared for the evening game of middle tennessee arkansas state i hate this schedule spoilers sorry um las vegas bowl at with no sponsor no title sponsor sam boyd stadium in las vegas um, this moves to the network abc um this has your only power five team of this particular week it's a Mountain West Pac-12 matchup. It also has your only ranked team, the number twenty-five Boise State Broncos at ten and three, and the seven and five Oregon Ducks. This yeah. is the game. This is the one game that you kind of, I think, you have to watch. I'm going to go ahead and say that right up front. Um, this is the most interesting game of the day. You have two interesting programs with a history. Um, you have a brand new coach in Mario Cristobal, totally locked in. By the way, this is probably the most stressed out coach in America this week. Um, <laughs> He is trying to salvage a recruiting class after Willie Taggart left for Florida State. He is the new head coach. He So he has total familiarity with the entire recruiting class. He has a bowl game as a head coach against a ranked opponent, a 10-3 team, that he kind of needs to win, I think, to push momentum and goodwill and you know a little bit of unease about losing Taggart after a year. And then on the other side of the ball, oh, you also just have another 10-win season from, from Boise State. 
it was really interesting watching the reaction about um, I, I saw kind of when, when Cristobal was hired, I, I, that situation plays out sometimes where uh, an athletic director will kind of panic and just, you know, keep an assistant in place and the players will rally behind them. And uh, those, I mean, there, there's a decent track record of those types of hires failing. And I saw, you know, this hire being referenced in that regard, but Mario Cristobal is still a guy who pulled off one of the best coaching jobs of the last decade uh, at Florida international. And, um, He's just, he's really, really good. And I think, you know, after studying under Saban, uh, you know, having a year out West feels like that's, that could be a very good situation. I maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's going to be really good. He's a good coach. No, I mean, for what it's worth, I agree with you and I don't hand out coaching grades. I think they're incredibly stupid. Um, also my favorite part of coaching grades is that every sports writer who gives coaching grades, 70, 80% of their coaching grades are, are a or B. But what we know is how many hires were there this year? 20 something, right? It probably will end up being that. Yeah. Okay. So let's say there's 25 total hires. How many will be still head, still coaching in four years? No, that's not, I mean, that's what I always say when I have to do that. Like every couple, like I'll, I'll get, get away with not writing one of those one year and then I'll have to the next. Um, and basically what I say is like, you know, 70, 80, 90% of hires make sense on paper and there's yes. really nothing to judge them on. And, and then they get but, fired. And then half of them are going to lose. So, you know, that's the nature of zero sum, I guess. Off-season idea, someone wants to remind us, we'll just go through and look at the hiring classes. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do the, the sports writer beef game where I go back and look at people's hiring grades because I just think they're, it, it's a completely dumb metric. It's just a dumb gimmick. It's an old newspaper gimmick, I guess. But um, I don't want to look at that. I'm just, it's, it's interesting to see how many hires well, we just in the collective thought, oh, yeah. And then three years later, just yeah, no, somebody has to five. lose. Exactly. Somebody has to lose every game. Um, so, yeah, a game super interesting. Um, Boise, no, by the way, started two and two, had injury problems at quarterback in the first month of the year. Uh, well, not just quarterback, but that, that was the kind of the headline injury uh, that got smoked by Virginia. Yeah. Since getting smoked by Virginia and, and being forgotten by the rest of America, uh, they went eight and one. They, uh, well, they beat BYU, which is not anything impressive, but they, uh, they stomped San Diego State in San Diego. Uh, they won by double digits. Uh, they beat Wyoming and Utah State by double digits. Uh, they stomped Nevada. They, they one at Colorado State in a in a really fun game. They finally got their monkey off their back and beat Air Force. Uh, and then in the meaningless game against Fresno, they lost. And then they turn around and beat Fresno in the real game uh, in the in, uh, in the Mount West title game. So really nice year in the end for uh, Brian Harson. Uh, my jinx, uh, I can I, I will say that even though Oklahoma State also disappointed a hair uh, after I visited there, uh, my jinx does not apply to Boise State. They ended up doing about what was expected. I don't. What What is the injury status on Freeman? Do we know? Uh, As of right now, I don't know if Royce Freeman's going to play. Um, Justin Herbert. <coughs> excuse me. Frog in my throat. Justin Herbert is um, questionable. Way, okay, questionable on both or questionable. Um, on questionable on Freeman. Okay. Um, probable. Tony Brooks James is probable. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see anything uh, new about uh, Herbert, so I guess he's playing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's going to be really interesting just because this is not a normal um, 500 level football team, and that like there was big weird gaps on defense that Jim Levitt had to overcome. They didn't have, they just did not have the bodies to do it this year. But had the quarterback running back tandem been healthy the entire right. season, this is not a seven and five football team. And so, in the collective. 
people didn't pay attention to them really. I think after the Nebraska win, they started to lose. They started to get banged up. They lost it. Was it Arizona State to kick it off? They, what was the? Yeah. They, yeah, they had an initial bad loss. People kind of got away from them as like, you know, Taggart hadn't turned them around completely, and now Cristobal's in a really good position. He just yeah. no, good they were weeks. They were six and one when Herbert actually played, and one and four when he didn't. Um, is this and, the, by the way? Is, and conversely, is this the most Boise State season? Like where you win, like because you took you take them early and then you just cruise. It is quintessential Boise this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been if they could have pulled off that Washington State uh, win, and ended up in the top twenty. I think that would have been yeah. that, that. That has to be disappointing a little bit, but regardless, this was a really nice year for them. Man, that Boise State Washington State game if that goes a different way. Very interesting. Um, Gildan, Gildan, Gildan. Gildan, New Mexico Bowl. Um, this is your afternoon. Again, just an hour after the Las Vegas Bowl. I agree with you. This is very poorly timed on everyone's part. Um, this is meant to follow the the New Orleans Bowl, though. Um, Dream Style Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Huh. Uh, it's Marshall. It's Colorado State. It's two seven and five teams. Um, Marshall, remember when they were undefeated? And then also Colorado State, uh, remember like a week and a half when Mike Bobo was going to get a bunch of SEC jobs. There's, yeah, your, there's your top line. Yeah, I I really I was disappointed with seven and five for Colorado State this year. I really yes. thought they had a chance to compete for the Mountain West, um, I, and they started off and they, they had a really super unlucky game against Colorado where they, they generated like thirty eight scoring chances and scored three points, and they probably would have won it. They you know had a rematch the next week. Uh, you know, then they lost Alabama, which is whatever. But then they you know they won four in a row. It looked like things were turning pretty well. Uh, then then down the stretch, stomped by Air Force, lose t- a tight one to lose. Was tight ones, I should say, to Wyoming and Boise State. I mean, those are close losses. There were three, really three close losses here. That's not the end of the world. I just kind of thought that we might see a breakthrough from them this year. If, if this comes down to who's excited to be at the New Mexico New Mexico Bowl and who isn't, Marshall had a really nice bounce back this year, and Colorado State didn't take the step forward that I thought they would. So maybe that's advantage Marshall. I was gonna say, I was gonna joke the last time I actually watched Colorado State play was. Week zero, but I think I did watch some of the Colorado games. So, yeah, that was a, um, a maddening loss right there. Mike Bobo, if yeah. he gets the nine wins, you're, you're, you will never stop hearing about him in 2018. <laughs> now it's going to be if he gets the nine wins next he, year, he'll be the Josh back. Allen of coaches. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he would get to nine and three next year without quarterback Nick Stevens, without re- receiver Michael Gallup, who's a badass who's the best player in this game uh without running back dalen dawkins uh they they are going to be kind of retooling next year i think three of their four top uh tacklers are seniors now uh it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for them to to kind of it seems like next year might be a reset year which means because he didn't break through this year colorado state might get him for a couple more years before he ends up going somewhere okay i've given two watch it certifications for saturday okay i'm not gonna give it here because of the timing um but it could be pleasant if you switch over um, after the Las Vegas Bowl. Okay. Yeah, the only good thing, the only good thing about the schedule is basically it's set up so that you can watch like four fourth quarters in a row, which like, is nice. You, you got to admit, you can watch all of Troy North Texas, then watch the last uh, hour of or so of Western Kentucky Georgia State, then the last hour or so of Boise State Oregon. Although you should probably watch more of that one, and then the last hour or so of Marshall Colorado State. So you got that, uh, and then you can flip over for probably about the last three quarters of Middle Tennessee or so. But uh, yeah, still hate it. Still hate it. Would really like to know why at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central God's time, the Raycom Camellia Bowl lands in prime time. Yep. 
and the New Orleans Bowl with the far superior matchup is the afternoon slot. Uh, what didn't wasn't that like a Saints home game thing or something? Maybe. I mean, I'm down for blaming the New Orleans Saints for literally anything wrong in our society, but <laughs> still, God, I mean, just put the better game in prime time, especially when. Yeah, I don't really care about this kind of stuff when we're talking Power Five in the middle of the season. I do. I would just like a balanced schedule so you can kind of sort of watch football all day and feel like you saw most of it, right? Instead of watch sort of nothing in those valley in those. Especially, I feel like this year's eleven a.m.s were pretty bad, and then at eight o'clock you're trying to keep up with nine games. Yep. Um, in this case, when you're trying to stump for G fives, as this program is wont to do. Um, Put Troy in North Texas in prime time because this game, this this Camellia Bowl nonsense at the old Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, seven and four Arkansas State, six and six Middle Tennessee, just no. So no, here's here's no here's my pitch for Arkansas State Middle Tennessee. Why why you should at least you know be aware, be be mindful that it is on and it might be good. Number one, Arkansas State's offense is very fun. Um, not necessarily uh, because of anything related to the run game, uh, but Justice Hansen, the former blue chipper who uh, transferred from what? Uh, Alabama, Oklahoma, one of the two. Sure. Um, that threw for 3,600 yards. Um, he's got, he, he basically spreads the ball around incredibly, like to about six different guys. It's a fun offense. They bail themselves out on passing downs a lot. That's usually good television. Uh, and the other part that I can vouch for is just simply by middle Tennessee, it was like Oregon when Brent Stockstill was healthy and played uh, quarterback Brent Stockstill. They were four and two uh, when he didn't, they were two and four. Um, they, when he, the last five, you know, not including the, the season opener where they kind of laid an egg against Vanderbilt to a, uh, to a degree or that, well, that was actually when Vanderbilt was playing like a damn top 10 team. Um, and then before, you know, it got its soul sucked out by Alabama, uh, since that point, they scored 30 on Syracuse and one, they scored 30 on UTEP, 35 on Charlotte, 38 on Western Kentucky, 41 on old dominion, um, less for the most part when other quarterbacks were playing instead of stock still, but when he's in the game, they're, they're pretty good. Did I, are you going to watch now? Nope. Going to go see star Wars. <sighs> nope. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to watch that game. We have we have just so precious few bowl games left, and you're gonna for some movie I haven't even heard of. Oh god. Okay, moving to let's see. That's Saturday. We skip yep. Sunday. We skip Monday, and we go yeah. straight to Tuesday because these are all ESPN controlled properties, and they want to stay away from the NFL. We go to the Cherubundi Tart. Oh my god! With the phone calls. Sorry, I'm a journalist. I thought that was like theme music for Cherubundi. Cherubundi Tart. Cherry Boca. Ratone Bowl. Hey, it's FAU. It's Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah. So a couple things here. This is why the Camellia Bowl fails, whereas the Boca Bowl doesn't. It has nothing to do with Lane. All right? It has everything to do with the fact that starting on the 19th, a lot of you are going to be home from college. Okay? <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of you are going to already have relatives in. And by the way, if you're hosting relatives starting on the 19th, then Godspeed. I mean, unless oh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to be terrible. I don't want to be entirely Christian focused here, so I'm I'm not sure where Hanukkah falls this year. If you're doing that, I get it. That's cool too, um, or whatever you're celebrating. But that's a man. That's early. That's early to have in laws in. Um, some of us just drive there and grit their teeth. Look, I'm going to go ahead and say this has nothing to do with football, but everything to do with watching football, Bill. Okay. 
December 16th at night, you can go and live life if you want to, right? You've watched – I'm telling you to watch two games. Watch the New Orleans Bowl and watch the Las Vegas Bowl. And then what I'm telling you on the 19th is you're probably going to have maybe it's a maybe it's a Friendsgiving holiday edition, some new agey millennial crap, or maybe it's um, a company office, you know, company Christmas party, holiday party, mm-hmm. and they've got the TV on at the bar. This is why these games were invented, starting like December 20th, and I'll make an exception here on the 19th, all the way through January 2nd you're probably going to be forced into a social situation around people that you can't carry a conversation with past two minutes. This is why God gives you G5 bowl games on random nights. And all the insulin American, all of you insulin Americans do is, is sit there and make fun of it. Not people who listen to this podcast, but like everyone else. Okay. Literally everyone else. Shut up. It's football. It's literally an excuse not to talk to the person that you ran out of things to talk about five minutes ago or 30 (laughs) or 60. Okay. I will say this is, it's good that we have Lane Kiffin to talk about in this game. However, because this, this is the odds on favor for being the least competitive bowl game of They're bowl gonna, season. Oh, look, man. Here's my expert analysis as an industry insider. Florida Atlantic's <laughs> going to stomp Akron's ass, okay? <laughs> this is a 10-3 and three FAU team with an offense that already looks like a, like a dump truck on fire in the best way possible, crashing through a skylight, all right? And this is 7-6 and six Akron. It's a home game, too. I mean, Jesus, they're going to murder them. Yeah, and this is and I, I've talked about. I can't remember if this is before you left or when you were gone, but I talked about how the connectivity for SP, S&P Plus this year doesn't seem to be all that good. Like it's like all a bunch of mid majors are getting kind of overestimated a little bit. Yeah. But so even with that in mind, both of these teams are mid majors, so the point stands. Uh, FAU is currently twelfth in S and P Plus. Uh, Akron is one hundred tenth. Um, that's bad uh akron was uh you know the uh, relatively actually they were in terms of turnovers luck they were both pretty lucky this year um but they this is akron was super lucky to win the the mac east ohio was a definitively definitively better team but they they beat ohio 37 34 you know any given wednesday or whenever the hell that game happened um but Oh man, FAU is just such a much, 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 much better football team, and uh, and that's fine because you get to talk about Lane Kiffin, you get to laugh yes. about all the things you've seen on Twitter, uh, and you get to watch Devin Singletary run for about eight hundred yards, which is a lot of well, fun. The, too. the offense is awesome. The actual yes. football product has been super fun to watch, and the, the few times I've I was able to watch them the last. I would say really kind of kicked into gear. What last five, six weeks? Um, um, I mean, they, they started finding something pretty soon after they, they got upset by Buffalo in, in September, uh, weird game. They scored, but they couldn't stop Buffalo uh, pretty much from that moment forward. They scored. It was 38 against MTSU, 58 against old dominion, 69 against North Texas, 42 against West. They just got, they got hot, very, very hot. And I assume yeah. that will continue even after a two week break. Here's the deal. There's Lane Kiffin, the sentient human being, and then there's also Lane Kiffin, the internet property. <laughs> internet Lane Kiffin is now sentient. Okay, it's it is Skynet. It knows he has a he has a night of football. He might be tweeting from the sideline during. That's what I'm saying. He has an entire night of football to himself <laughs> as the star as he wants it to be. Keep that in mind. That's why you watch this game. So certified watch, absolutely. All right. One game left. You ready? Yep. Now we're starting to bleed into interim coach territory. Six Sunny and six. Louisiana. 
six and six Louisiana Tech, whatever. Didn't even know they were six and six this year. Uh, seven and five SMU Sands Chad Morris in the DXL Frisco Bowl in Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Uh, 7 p.m. Central, December 20th. So a Tuesday night? No, it's a Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday night. So we'll be, we will record next Wednesday. We're going to go ahead and give you our hot Frisco Bowl right. analysis. And then we will proceed to forget that we talked about this game already, and we will talk about it again next Wednesday. Almost certainly. Um, okay, so the first of the true interim coach situations isn't as bad as I think a lot of the other ones will be in that SMU wants to win this game. Sonny Dykes, as far as I know, is not coaching this game. Um, uh, I think he is. I think he was going to... Wait, is he stepping in and doing it? Uh, well, hold on. I'm going to... I'm, 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 I'm doing Googling. It, um, let's see. Will coach in bowl against former team. This is <gasps> it's a weird arrangement. So, all right. Uh, from will. the AP... Uh, Sonny Dykes didn't even have to finish the story of his favorite SMU memory to stir hey, some in the crowd. Hey, dude, I'm reading from SB Nation about that, which actually looks like we just aggregated some tweets. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, this is fantastic. Dude, seal of approval. You have to watch this game. Yeah, he um, he's going to coach in the game. He wanted to ensure a good experience for the players in SMU's first postseason game in five years. I don't really know how that applies. Um, but, yes, he will be like coaching with the interim coach or, or something it's weird it's weird and that's good uh, weird is good uh maybe we'll figure something out a little more to say than that uh next wednesday but yes it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun structurally to see what he does with sunny dykes with chad morris's book is well, gonna and, be pretty fun and let's just say that i mean the situation that smu was in this year um having a top 10 offense and bottom 10 defense not necessarily going to be unfamiliar territory for sunny dykes he should be able to oh, no. you know maneuver around in that space pretty well he's gonna feel right at home they oh uh, my god okay so they scored at least 35 points in let's see three four five six seven eight nine of 12 games this year they allowed at least 20 or 32 points in two three four, five, six, seven, eight games this year. Awesome. All right. I'm going to do an off-field, jump back into the off-field analysis. Kind of a referendum here on SMU. And here's what I mean. Okay. There was so much attention that they, they really put on Chad Morris as sort of being like the first big, good hire. The June Jones thing kind of just, it didn't work, right? That Chad Morris was going to usher SMU into sort of that next era. Chad Morris was also the coach bringing them from O and whatever to, you know, bowl eligibility. But during that process was the whole, you know, Big 12 rumored expansion. They did not get the same kind of love that Houston did, that South Florida, the Central Florida did. If they're serious about all the stuff they've kind of been talking about these last couple of years, they need to come out big. This is a home game. The game's in Frisco. It's right up the road. Um, this needs to be big and supportive for a Texas-born, Texas-native coach coming in to coach the, to to be in charge of this program, because it's okay. going to he's going to bring in. Gosh, I mean, and this is tough to say with Chad Morris being an ex-Texas high school coach, but like, you know, Sonny Dykes is extremely connected, and the funny yeah. thing is, is, Morris is going to be recruiting in Texas as much as he ever was at Arkansas now, but Dykes is going to come in. Uh, with great relationships, great presence in the state of Texas. But if SMU is tepid about this, it's just it's, it's a hurdle they need to get over. They need to be excited about this December 20th you know, game against the 6-6 six and six CUSA team. But they, they do. They do. They okay. need some energy around that program with Dykes. Dykes is a smart hire. Dykes is yeah, a like sensible, 
applicable hire. I know that it's not sexy. I know they wanted to go out and find Chad Morris too, but I'm telling you that, that this sets them up for, for sustained success in the American as well as, gosh, I would say anybody else at this point. I'm not saying they're going to be more successful than every other team. I'm just saying this is as good an argument for a fit with a coach and a program as I can think of. And this is not Tommy Tuberville to Cincinnati. Right. Dykes yeah, was sort no, of yeah, no, that's, yeah, Dykes situation, situation with Cal. He was kind of struck down in his prime by a lot of off-field problems that he had between himself and the administration as coaches. This is a different situation. This is a guy who's very, very hungry. And I, I knew like Tommy Tuberville, I spent a lot of time, time with Tommy when he was at Cincinnati he had, I mean, the dude had basically won a national championship at Auburn. That changes who you are. Sonny, I think, definitely has something to prove. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. SMU's a, SMU's a program I'm suddenly interested in. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, to, to give L, uh, to Louisiana Tech a chance yeah, at the mic. Go for it. Um, they were a little disappointing this year. I expected a little bit more. Um, their off their, their defense went from horrid to merely bad, which is a good thing, but they couldn't quite, I mean, you know, this might be an issue. They lost quarterback, Ryan Higgins. They lost receivers, uh, Trent Taylor and Carlos Henderson, who had like almost 35 or hundred receiving yards between them. Uh, predictably then when you hand it over to, um, a, a sophomore quarterback and a transfer receiver, uh, you're going to regress offensively. And they did, but they still, they lost three games by a point. Um, so they were still really good. Granted, they won one by a point too. You know, drama, plenty of drama in these games. But mm. they were pretty close to eight and four, nine and three. Just like a, a bounce or two away from that. And I'm not disappointed. I'm not talking about how disappointed I am in them uh, if they're eight and four instead. They were really, really close. Sure. Yeah. All right, Bill. Um, so that is your first week of bowl games plus one. And then the following week things, I mean, that's not a terrible lineup. Sands, the mm-hmm. Arkansas state. Mm-hmm. Um, hey man, stock still bread stock still is the key. I, I say that's a good game. Still the least sexy matchup next week. Just, just to tease is probably the first one UAB Ohio and the goodwill towards UAB being eight and four this year and going to a bowl in the Bahamas. <laughs> It just it washes out all of the sort of lukewarm vibe on that. It's fantastic. Yes. Um, by the way, I'm just gonna look real fast. What's my get drunk game? You mean the uh, game on the game on Sunday, December 24th? Um, correct. That's my Fresno, get drunk. That be that would be Fresno State Fresno Houston. State, and that's going to be awesome. That's a lovely get drunk. Yes. Shout out to Major Applewhite. Cocktails to him. Um, yeah, that's a decent little get drunk. Oh, there's a night game too. That's no, wait. Great. I'm sorry. That's no, on the 26th. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. No, that's it. Okay, yeah, get drunks. That's fabulous. Good job, get drunk. All right, uh, questions. We have questions. We have questions. a lot of questions. People have been saving up their questions uh, for like yeah, a month. Lord, back. Um, so this let, me try to, let me get, try to get a handle on this one here. I'm gonna do one real fast. Welcome back to Stephen at Brennan Scott Seven. Is Nick Saban on the hot seat? I would have to say yes. Carry on. Okay. Um, I like this one from our friend Billy Gamilla uh, from And the Valley Shook. Uh, with Tennessee poaching Austin Thomas, do support personnel become the next phase of the arms race? I'll let you explain who Austin Thomas is. You are you know, Mr. LSU uh, and Mr. Nashville. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a Mr. LSU. <laughs> God, another reason for Mississippi State fans to love me. Um, Austin Thomas is basically the mind and the architect for the larger recruiting picture at LSU. He's very, very good. He's very, very sought after. Um, this isn't the first time he was, um, 
This wasn't the first time someone tried to poach him. He's from Nashville. He has some connections uh, with Philip Fulmer, the new AD. God, that's just not going to not sound weird. Um, At Tennessee, um, I assume they backed a truck up. This is a goodwill maneuver that they can tell people in football circles and and the hardcore message boards of Tennessee that Jeremy Pruitt is is Saban serious about player (laughs) evaluation and recruitment. Um, it is a blow for LSU. He was well liked there. Um, there will be no shortage of candidates trying to replace him. It is it the next move in the arms? Probably. Um, I, I think you know numbers of analysts and numbers of support personnel are still something that's not entirely regulated. And so, because it's not regulated, you can end up. I would say yes to answer Billy's question around about way because they haven't, the things you can't regulate are the things that go completely bonkers, right? So right. money for facilities, money in locker rooms, um, you know, just building in general that because there's no cap on that, um, people will take it to the furthest, you know, the furthest place imaginable. So the idea of, I mean, there's so many unemployed coaches right now that don't have a sense of urgency um, because they know that they can just sit for a year and be an analyst. Sonny Dykes. Sonny yep. Dykes, you know what he did last year? Analyst. TCU. Yep. So just to give you an idea, that is I, – I think the analyst role a little bit more maybe than the personnel role becomes becomes part of the arms race and not just because Alabama has done it, but Alabama, of course, has done it in the most organized, excessive way possible. So there's your answer. Yeah, and I mean his first job, I know it was you know like recruiting intern at uh, under under Fulmer, if I if that, if I have yes. that timeline right. So I mean, yeah, it kind of makes sense in that regard. I I'm obviously I always have Moneyball in the back of my brain, and so I'm curious about a lot of this maneuvering, how teams try to you know use different paths to find an advantage. Uh, I obviously couldn't tell you. That, that uh thomas was a definitive success at lsu just in terms of results uh number one he wasn't there very long um at least he wasn't there with ed orgeron in place the way they had all arranged it um so and and basically they they played at a top 20 level about how they probably should have i was a little disappointed in the offense um but I, you know it's it's interesting i mean he actually had the title of general manager right i mean that was his Mm-hmm. they weren't kind of making any bones about the idea of having kind of a front office situation and evaluating talent in, in, a, in an interesting way. Now this, by the way, of course, kind of bleeds a little bit into what the hell Arizona state is trying to accomplish at the moment. Um, Those are two different things. Just it is, it is, yeah. but They're basically, they're both acknowledging like, uh, hey, we're going to take like an NFL approach. We're going to have like a general manager type who oversees da, 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 da. And obviously it's very different after that, but it's still kind of a, uh, in it with the NFL in mind kind of thing. And I don't know if it's good yeah. or not. It can't, it's probably not bad. Well, at least for the, in, in this Tennessee case, uh, there's a God, Herm Edwards is going to be such a damn disaster. I and mean, it's going to be entertaining, but Oh my God, that's I, I like, Oh, I, 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 everything about that whole arrangement. Old NFL uh, coaches just, just uh, uh, I, it, it keeps happening. Yeah, and it keeps happening. Keeps and happening. Now, it, like this was a—he wasn't as good as Gruden. He, he uh, uh, anyway, anyway. Lovey um, Smith. Lovey Smith. He wasn't Al as good Groh. as Lovey. Lovey like was way better than Herm Edwards. But whatever. What is Al Groh the most successful example of this? <laughs> 
Uh, it keeps happening. I don't know. It, it's just a weird loop between athletic administrators who are trying to be contrarian for contrarian sake. Because at Arizona State, you have a large enough, you have a large enough university, you know, reasonably comparable, deep pockets, and you're close enough to be able to recruit and work your butt off in SoCal. And Arizona's good. They have a quarterback right now, but I mean, Richard was on the hot seat entering the season. That place is up for grabs. You could have gone after a much smarter, much more logical hire and probably had more immediate success and sustained success for that matter. I mean, this guy yeah. could be a total disaster. I felt probably, bad because I wrote disaster. I, yeah, I wrote a piece last week basically just attempting to see if I could actually talk myself into Herm Edwards a little nope. bit. Um, Spoiler alert. I, I know, and I felt bad because I'm always saying, you know, those schools, you can't just try to out USC, USC. You got to try something different. And then at the end, it was basically like, yeah, you should try something different, but not this. Um, but so, you know, I was going against my contrarian ways there, but oh my God, just everything about this was a disaster. And and it was all set up so that it, it, they could keep their two coordinators and one of them just left. Wilson Orr so, asks, kudos. Wilson, uh, it's at Wilson Orr, O-R-R-206. What does Willie Taggart leaving after less than a year mean for Oregon? Is it a reality check on the program's place in the pecking order or just a quirk of timing? Looking forward, what does a successful Mario Cristobal era look like at Oregon? We touched on this a little bit, but since Oregon's in our bowl slate this week, I wanted to jump on it. Let's go backwards. Uh, A successful Mario Cristobal era is going to probably not be what Oregon wants it to be. They're probably realigning expectations in all things, not only post-Chip Kelly, but now Chip Kelly at another school in the conference. Right. Um, I think everything was headed in the right direction at Oregon. It'll be interesting to see who is sort of credited as the father of the of the success if they do go nine and three or ten and two next year. You know, it was certainly Taggart's vision with a, a strong, strong amount of contribution from Crystal Ball, and I say that because I was around that staff with Crystal Ball and Levitt, and uh, I always mispronounce his name, Joe Salavea. Um, it was really the second time they had all been together at the same time on signing day uh, in 2017 this past year. They, Cristobal had a heavy hand in helping with culture, helping with recruiting. Um, he and Tiger just, they know each other very well. Weirdly enough, do you remember, do you remember how they know each other? Sunbelt uh, opposing coaches. Uh, nice. Opposing coaches in the Sun Belt. They got along when they would do conference meetings. They liked each That's other. Right. They sort of respected each other's teams, and they were doing very, very different things at the time because this is back when Western Kentucky was basically running like Stanford, you know, Stanford, Michigan power. Um, I, I don't know what it means for Oregon in the long run that he was one and done. It's not a reality check on on a pecking order at all. No. I know Taggart better than anybody. I would say better than anybody in. in college football media this was his dream job he talked about florida state the first day i met him like we talked about how you know growing up and and your influence on college football bill you know like how many times have i talked about i i think i think the fact i grew up a georgia southern fan and had to listen to games on the radio or drive to places like marshall and vmi to see the team play that sort of affected how i viewed college football for the rest of my life willie taggart as a young black man in Florida in the nineties looked at Florida state and where he was growing up in that braided area, And it, it became a pinnacle for him. And it's what he wants to return the program to. It was incredibly unfortunate for him. I talked with Willie a, a, a good bit during this process. Um, Willie loved Oregon and Willie 
really loved the traditionless tradition that we talk about with Oregon, which is sort of awesome. I think it's why Bill likes Oregon and I like Oregon. You know, it's just, it's awesome that the tradition is that they're contrarian or the tradition is that there is no tradition. And he fit with that really well. And, and I know that, like we said earlier, it was a work in progress for that team. Um, but offensively they were starting to come together pre-injury in a way that I think that they're, they're going to be fine. And crystal ball is not going to fix what isn't broken. So, um, I mean, this whole idea of reality check, don't worry about that. Just yeah, no, time is an unfortunate situation in timing. Take that as face value and move on. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see that some initial reactions from Oregon fans were the kind of like, well, this is what happens when you, you know, you don't go for a cultural fit. You don't go for, you know, a guy who knows the area or has ties to the school and all that. Uh, and that's where well, you, what you the know, hell is a cultural fit when your program is in the woods in Oregon and your most famous head coach is a dude from New Hampshire. Who's <laughs> man a dick. Like, right. and I love Chip Kelly, but I mean, it's just what, what you say. What the hell culture is that? Right. It's just what you say um, when a guy leaves after a year. And and the bottom line is if, if Jimbo never leaves FSU, then Taggart maybe stays at Oregon for quite a while. Oh, I, um, oh, I can tell you that right now. There's no maybe about it. He was he, like he couldn't believe that it was happening. I'll put it that way. He couldn't yeah. believe like throughout the process of like, man, it doesn't seem like whatever. It, it all started when like – it didn't seem what Kevin Sumlin did down the stretch, right? That he was just done. He was exhausted. They were exhausted with him, whatever. And I mean, do you remember? I'm asking you because hell, you were more tied in. I was off working on something like when we were coming down the stretch, no one talked about A&M without talking about Jimbo. Yeah. It just became a thing for like a month of like, oh man, Florida State's going to open. Yeah. And I mean, um, uh, obviously, you know, the, the relationship that, you know, it seemed like that was a strained relationship. It was a burnout kind of situation with Jimbo. Definitely, so yeah. uh, even before A&M, you know, with Auburn and all that, it was, it was certainly uh, on the table, but no, it, yeah, uh, you know, it was a good hire and, and um, it was a good hire for Florida state, I should say. And then, you know, Cristobal, I don't think it all was like the panic. Oh God, we got to salvage this kind of situation. It, maybe, maybe it was, but they just salvaged it with a guy who again was a badass at, at Florida international. So, um, and got, and got fired for Ron Turner. <clears throat> um, Dude. Uh, by the way, uh, Cristobal's not going to, you're not going to have that situation again. And I, I mean, if he's wildly successful at Oregon, I don't know if even like, let's say Mark Rick retires in four years. I don't know if Miami automatically can just call him home mm -hmm. because Miami is a different thing than Florida state. And Bud can tell you all about that and, <laughs> and, and will. Um, so yeah, you're good for a while ducks. I think he, I think he's going to be a good hire. Um, I didn't mean uh, for that to be such a long question. So at blank scientist asks, what do you think chip Kelly's ceiling is at UCLA and what's the floor? Um, uh, neither have been determined. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we can assume that the ceiling is awfully high because the last time he was coaching in college, the ceiling was very, very, very high. Um, he's he's asking that because UCLA is not of the caliber of teams that like, like Oregon was a national title contender and then he was being courted by Florida who's won multiple national titles in our lifetime. Is that the real, is that what I, is that what the question he's actually not asking? Uh, let's see. He is a fan of USC. So there, there you uh, go. Look at that. I wasn't even looking at the question. Um, 
Yeah, you know, it is interesting. I, I think I said this back in like the summer or something when we were talking about Chip Kelly, knowing he was going to end up at a college uh, pretty soon. Um, I'm really curious what a Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly offense looks like in 2018 because, you know, it, he really kind of lost the plot in the pros. And and that might have just been a pure circumstance thing. It might have been because his philosophy changed. I'm just really interested to see what it means. Like, I, what Dude, that Chris was, Brown article is like the only diss track that Chris Brown has ever written. Know, it was a like hard to refute because he just kept going with he examples. spanked him in public it was yeah. bad and, um, and it was, was right that, they was were, that Grantland or Ringer we gotta, uh, we gotta plug it now yeah it was probably no yeah you know it might have been Ringer actually uh, it might have been after what was that it October 20th September but, yeah, 9th of I, September 9th of 2016. Yep. Uh, it's Chris Brown of Smart Football Fame, obviously. And then the headline, if you want to go look it up, is Chip Kelly's second act. Um whew. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't. It, it, he kind of went into a shell offensively a little bit. And and again, maybe there are reasons for that. And now that he's got college personnel and maybe a talent advantage over teams, that all changes back. I'm just really curious what his philosophy is, how has it changed and all that. Like, I ceiling's very high ceiling's very very high because chip kelly could still be an awesome college coach just really curious i'm, I'm excited that he's back in just because i want to see what happens and i like that he took that job instead of florida um because it is a little muddier um and a little weirder and harder in some ways maybe and and uh so we'll really get a good idea for what he can actually do hmm. yeah um floor <sighs> Floor is the offense doesn't ever really come off the top of my head. What was the lowest? Was it his first season at head coach at Oregon? Was his lowest win total? Yeah, almost certainly. Okay. So expectations relative to 2018 are. Yeah. Yeah. So four years at Oregon, he was 10 and three, 12 and one, 12 and two, 12 and one. Um, the, The floor is lower than 10 and three. But he's probably going to figure some things out, and and um, how fast does he figure you know, it out next year? That's something we'll have to dedicate a little time to. I don't, I don't want to try and like yeah, put it, it out. It, I don't want to say it's all about the quarterback, but it's kind of a lot about the quarterback. We have to figure out what he has, uh, and I don't know that offhand because obviously he's not going to have Josh Rosen. Mm. Eight. I would say the floor, especially at first, could be lower. Um, once the program gets going, I would be surprised if he's finishing six and six in like year three or something. But this first year around, it's it really is a you know kind of a, a crapshoot the first time. Not out. have their damn schedule up yet. Really? No, Pac twelve. I try with you. I try so. Oh, they do. Okay. For a second there, I was like, <laughs> God. Um, open with Cincinnati. Um, Weird. Ooh. Oh, that's right. They play at OU. Ooh. Um. Hey, hey. Ooh. Okay, so here's their schedule real fast. Let's figure out if eight works. You ready? Cincinnati at Oklahoma, Fresno in in the Rose Bowl. By the way, Fresno, good program next year. So, yep. uh, bye week, and now we start conference play. You tell me real fast how you think this shakes out. They're at Colorado. They get Washington at home. They're at Cal. They get Arizona at home. So starting to break their way. They get Utah at home. They have to go to Austin. They're at Arizona State. They get USC in Crosstown, whatever. And then they get Stanford at home. So that that's kind of scream six and six to me right there. Maybe seven and five. 
with my year zero impression. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I'll go seven. Let's say seven. Beat Cincinnati, lose to OU. Let's say they Being go Fresno, like... Fresno, Fresno's a swing game kind of in like, year zero. Kind of like a one and one versus Fresno and at Colorado. One and one Washington and at Cal. Um, like really, kind of like two and two if you're looking at Arizona and Utah at home and at Air, Oregon and at Arizona State. Maybe three and one. Uh, but that's still like there's a, just a lot of swing here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, at... At Rakes of Mallow, Chris W. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah, read well, that I'm reading it because of the follow-up. Some Notre Dame fans are frustrated <laughs> with nine and three, especially after the eight and one start. You mentioned Gus's five-year stretch last week. What's a reasonable five-year list of accomplishments for the Irish? Mike Spangler at MJ Spanky writes. Godfrey loves questions about Notre Dame. Can't wait to hear his reply. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're frustrated with nine and three, then you're a dumbass. Um, they were four and yeah. seven, four and eight last year. Now, yeah, the, that's still the part. Like, you were talking about five-year expectations. So, it's been five full seasons now since they went to the national title okay. game and went 12-1 and one in, in 2012. Since then, 10-win season, two nine-win seasons, an eight-win season, and, you know, the, the bomb that would be very hard to replicate because of all the close losses it required. Um you know, with my analytics hat on where I look at last season as more like a seven and five quality kind of campaign. So you're looking at like a, you know, a 10, two nines and eight and a seven. That's not amazing. Um, it's still good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not terrible. It's not fireable. I wouldn't think, um, but it's, it's, it's not amazing. And I think, you know, if, if that, that's kind of the broad view. And then if you just look at the fact that they went from four and eight to nine and three with a quarterback change, with an offensive coordinator change, with a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. change, um, this was a really nice year. Obviously the order of the losses makes things, you know, uh, more bitter. Not only the order of the losses, but the fact that they got smoked by Miami and then Miami just packed it in and, you know, uh, really didn't even come close to looking that good again afterwards. Uh, you know, th- so that that was disappointing. Maybe the Irish just sucked that much. No, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, at, at, him, at, him not, at him and not me. Um, um, here's one thing we just we actually discussed this casually at work last week. Um, and I don't want to tip our hand or anything that we're working on, but if you're Notre Dame, I want you to think about this raging hemorrhoid of a 2018 schedule because I want you to also think about <laughs> now look Chris W brought this up they started eight oh, and yeah, one yeah. Yep. all right I want you to think about this raging hemorrhoid that you just gave yourself all right next year and by the way uh annoying tradition alert they open with Michigan at home on Labor Day weekend Man, so it's gonna sneak up on us we're not gonna hear anything about that game oh god what an oral bowel movement that will be um between the two of the do I have to cheer for Michigan no, I'm the hell with that. I married a Catholic. Um, everything seems functional, reasonable. What the hell is Vanderbilt doing on this schedule? I know, um, I know, I know. In bed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Michigan, Ball State, Vandy, Wake, Stanford at VTech, Pittsburgh. That's not easy or fun, okay? It's not fun, but it's not but untenable. That's not the hemorrhoid, all right? So let's say you get through that and you have one loss. Let's say yeah, five and two, six and one. Yeah, you're probably going to lose either Michigan or Stanford. I don't. I, I haven't looked at Stanford's returning personnel. Or yet. Virginia Tech. It's in Virginia Tech. Correct. It is in. It is in Blacksburg. So VTech's got it cooking. That's the last damn place you want to be. Um, 
Oh, and then by the way, it's Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh is going to murder. P- Pittsburgh is going to murder someone with only like, if they're number two, though. So like a bar of soap in a sock, like in the you, most. So you only have that game to worry about if you're six and zero when Pittsburgh okay. comes All right, well, to town. Possible. Then you get a bye week. Here's the hemorrhoid. This is how you decided to finish your season Ugh. with national title expectations every year. You just saw it, didn't you? Because the oh, reason yeah. why I'm talking about the schedule is one, we had schedules pulled up because we were looking at other schools, and two, this is the problem. You have a bye on October 20th, and then this is how you close your season. Navy in San Diego, so you're going to get hit in the face a bunch. Congrats on that. <laughs> At Northwestern, which is not really a Navy pain in the ass, but it is a pain in the ass playing and Northwestern. And you'd rather play Northwestern at the beginning of the year, I think. Absolutely, because then, trust me, they're just the nerds just sit and wait. Then you close with Florida State, a good Syracuse team that you're playing in the Bronx, and at USC. We think good Syracuse, not necessarily possible good Syracuse. Better Syracuse team, Syracuse team that beat Syracuse team that beat the number one team in the nation this year, and scared. Right, man. So Florida no, State, you're not, okay, so, here, so here's the deal: you're not going to win the national title next year, and no one would win the national title with this this schedule. <laughs> God, just from a fun perspective. You, so it's fun, but it's so stupid. No, 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 no. It's it's not fun. Uh, like I Navy, mean, it's fun to watch you, objectively. Even, even when you beat Navy, it's not fun. Even when you beat Northwestern, it's not fun. And then you're going to have to get into a track meet with Syracuse, even if you beat them. If I volunteered uh, to take on this schedule every year, and this was like my favorite sports team, I would huff my own farts and talk about tradition too, because I sure as hell wouldn't reasonably expect a team to, make, to, <laughs> to only lose one game and make the playoff. Because I remember you have a conference championship because you're morons. Remember, remove me from the at before you respond to Godfrey. After he is Godfrey. See all it matters. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross because it's 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 like almost deceptively hard. But then it's gross because the wins won't be very fun, and it's gross because you play at home once after October thirteenth. God, bad. At Kyle and Mike asked, would you rather eat a cake with flaming Hot Cheeto frosting or never eat cake again? I'd eat the damn – that's not even a question, Kyle. Do better. Of course I would eat a, a cake with flaming Hot I see. Cheeto he frosting. He was close. He was close there. Uh, but, yes, I would suck it up and eat the Cheetos frostings instead of never eat cake again. That, that seems like a little bit extreme. Um, um, at username Zofran Ag, uh, but his, okay. his actual name is Al – Owl in for the Boca Raton Bowl. I like it. I like it. Um, who coaches first? Hugh Freeze or Art Bryles? Hugh Freeze. Possibly Hugh Freeze. Possibly, possibly in 2018. Hugh Freeze. Like that's Rape not even- is only associated with one of those coaches. Yeah. I don't mean to be flippant, but that's the truth. No, that's really – I mean, there's no way to avoid being a little flippant there. That's the, I, I understand, again, like you know, scorned coaches and whatnot, but no, completely different. Completely, yep. completely different. Totally different. Uh, at – Naive Berserk, our friend Kevin, uh, asks, do you see Tom Herman doing well uh, with Chris Del Conte now at Texas, and will it lead to consistency? Um, yeah, baby. I saw – I don't. it wasn't Del Conte, but I saw somebody associated with Texas a couple of days ago basically saying, hey, yeah, we weren't nearly uh, good enough this year. He's got he's to he get some work in, um, something to that effect. Wait, Del Conte said that about Herman? No, Del Conte didn't, but I saw somebody else say that. Um, About and I've got, the, I've got, I've, I've always, I, and I will always pronounce his name like the Del Monte canned fruit. That, uh, well, that's correct, Del Conte. I, it was Del Conte. I said say Del Conte, oh, okay. uh, and well, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, I've also well, heard how you say the word D A B O. So 
I don't know what you're talking about. Texas, by the way, this year, again, it's, it's never, ever, 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 ever judge somebody too much off their first year. Um, when they do well, it only sets the bar too damn high. And when they don't, you, you start to think, well, we made a big mistake, a hot seat and burn a road around. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban went seven and six in his first year mm-hmm. in, in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, ULM. Uh, t- Texas that was it was not particularly good this year. I like how you I like how you just said don't judge him too much, and then you compared him to Nick Saban. <laughs> just, well, I get, because people were judging Nick Saban after one year, that's that's as far as that comparison goes. But uh, if Nick Saban could go seven and six and lose to ULM in the first year, that tells you everything you need to know about potential first year situations. True. Uh, they Texas was weird as hell this year. They were oscillating between two uh, a freshman and a sophomore quarterback. This uh, year they were best, weird as hell. Their their best <laughs> offensive lineman was hurt for half the year. They didn't really have a running game they could lean on uh, or running back they could really lean on. Even and that was a little bit surprising. Uh, their three uh, best uh, receivers were a sophomore, a sophomore, and a freshman. Uh, so yes, they when they plummeted offensively, you know, number one, it kind of confirmed some people's suspicions about Tim Beck uh, being offensive coordinator and that's fine I, don't, I didn't really like that hire but when they plan it offensively it probably has as much to do with the fact that they were playing a freshman with a bunch of freshmen and sophomore receivers and no run game um, it'll take a little time the, the defense was somewhere between fine and good especially after that increasingly inexplicable first week against Maryland uh, almost from that point forward, they had a somewhere between a good and and very good defense. There were a couple setbacks, but there were Texas. They have to play them again next year too. What a stupid, what a stupid one and one to sign. This is uh, this is uh, the last two teams we've now talked about. It is just proof that just leave your scheduling to SB Nation. We will take care of you. We will schedule everything. What was the advantage back then? Was that was that a Steve Patterson move to sign a one and one with Maryland? Um, By the way, I just looked at it. It's a one and one, and it's at the Redskins Stadium. Well, gross. There you go. Gross, 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 gross. I mean the Red Bad Hawks. Texas. I mean the Red Hawks. Bad Texas. I do mean the Red Hawks. That was a um, quality, like college football level ruse this morning. By the way, that was mm-hmm. that was very well executed. If you don't know what we're talking about, just Google Washington Red Hawks. Yeah, um, I, Tom Herman's gonna be fine. Yeah, early, early. I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna win a national title yet. Um, just give him a cycle, give him some time. Um, I think Chris Del Conte can only help. He, there's a quote of his that stuck in my mind, which is that basically I don't evaluate coaches. My job is to be in service to, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, my job is to be in service of, of coaches and give them every reasonable possible thing that we can to help them succeed. So if they don't succeed, it's my failure. I love it. And that's a very Texas mindset. Um, obviously TCU, don't I mean? Don't kid yourselves. There's a there's a butt ton of money in Fort Worth, but the Texas is just a, you know you're operating at a different level. Um, he he will inspire you. He is a raw rock guy, but he's not stupid either. Um, very interesting person. I spent the day with him in Fort Worth when I was writing about TCU and Baylor a couple of years ago. So um, interesting dude, and I think it's a great hire. Yeah, and he's exa- I mean, you're, what you just said about that, like that's what an athletic director should be. Like, I, like I, now, the, my, my big conclusion of 2017 is that uh, when you know the whole, you know, if making a good coach a great coach is probably more on the AD than the coach himself. Um, that that's been a big kind of theme of mine. Chris Del Conte's awesome, and uh, I will say this. Just because I know the guy and I like him, I'm going to say this. No one, no one has been effective since Mac Brown was the head coach. Yeah. 
at keeping the factions united <laughs> and and working in the same direction. Yep. And that has to be as much of an AD's role as it does a head coach. Because we're we're sort of leaving the era of where the head coach that 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 kind of good old boyism could exist in the head coach's office where the head coach is also successful in the field. So and I think his um, success at TCU will help with that too. Um, not not only just that he's good, but that he has a, a record to lean on. I mean, he, he he talked Texas into he talked Texas into letting TCU into the Big Twelve. <laughs> so obviously he is pretty good with Texas yeah. boosters. At the Texas Stanley, uh, my friend Chris Stanley asks: Is getting rid of Kurt Roper really the answer to curing Big Dumb Will Muschamp football? Probably not, but it's uh, probably not not the answer either. Uh, Something <laughs> happened there. Just not um, I don't know exactly what happened yet, but I did get phone calls and I was talking about guys looking for assistance jobs mm-hmm. and Roper had interviewed at Rice. Right. Um, and, I, and I had mentioned that to someone who basically said, yeah, he better get that job because he's not going to have his current job, which is weird because Muschamp was very, very, very like adamant that Roper should have been his right. guy all along at Florida. So I don't know. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have any sort of stats to back that up when he said it. Um, but this was a t- okay. So here's the uh, uh, South Carolina still, and this is probably just pure must champ right here. Um, and by the way, we have to mention that if um, if uh, uh, God the the star receiver who single handedly killed uh, Missouri. Um, Mm, I didn't watch Missouri this year. Uh, no, not Missouri, South Carolina. Um, I'm, God, I'm going to edit this part out. This is embarrassing. Um, Leave it in. Uh, Debo, God, not Dowdle, Debo. Jeez, that's embarrassing. Debo Samuel, who's awesome. Uh, sorry, Debo. Uh, I, you you scarred me, and I then I proceeded to forget your name. If Debo Samuel doesn't get hurt, like he single-handedly almost beat North Carolina State and Missouri to start the season. Uh, he was a, a truly elite talent on an offense that otherwise didn't have any, and and he could have made a difference. They lost plenty of games that could that a player could have flipped. A and M, maybe that was the only one. But regardless, they went eight and four with a bad offense. They could have gone nine and three, maybe ten and two with a slightly less bad offense. Um, that, but here's uh, this is a long way of getting to this point. Their offensive footprint stats that I share at South Carolina. Tell me how this makes sense. Standard okay. outs run rate. They were 94th, which means they threw, they were very pass heavy on, on standard downs, okay. uh, passing downs run rate. They were 109th, which means they almost never like ran draw plays. They were just, they were throwing on passing downs pace 122nd. They were one of the slowest uh, teams in the country. Percentage of solo tackles where, you know, number one is like a Texas tech and number one thirty is like an LSU. They were 12th. So tons of solo tackles, tons of passing, um, no pace, and no receivers once Debo went down. Uh, And then the run game, meanwhile, A.J. Turner averaged five and a half yards per carry, which is pretty good. Um, But it was kind of just a mishmash. They didn't know what they wanted to do at all. And, uh, you know, when Will won, would you Ed Orgeron's ass for for tampering with his coordinator yeah. in in year one, right? Oh, yeah. and, and just and 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 correctly, yeah. right? Don't like telling Canada not to use shift motion is just telling him not to run his offense. Okay, when are we going to start looking at like oh big dumb? Will, is he actively working against his own? I mean, he that that was his OCs. It, 
you could have made that case at Florida. Like it really is like some form of defensive coordinator say, Hey, here are the, here's the offense I want to run. Cause it's the one I couldn't stop. And others uh, look at their offense, like don't screw it up for my defense. And the results suggest, uh, you know, both at Florida, of course, and now at South Carolina too, that, uh, th- that that's what he's doing. The, the offense never really, it's like the offense is kind of scared of its head coach to a certain degree. Um, all that said, they went eight and four this year. Um, they were mediocre as hell and they went eight and four. Part of that was luck. NC state was a close game where NC state was driving. They got a kick return touchdown, Missouri. They flipped the game on a kick return and an interception. They beat Louisiana tech by one. They beat Tennessee by six. They beat Vanderbilt by seven. They beat Florida by eight. Uh, they messed around with Wofford for a little bit. Like they eight and four was probably just about the peak that they could have hoped for, except for that A&M game, I guess. But the floor was more like four and eight or five and seven. And so he's still got some things to figure out. And they're very, very must champion things that he has to figure out. Oh yeah. I'm just starting to think, you know, I'm I'm just starting to think, just starting to really think maybe, you know, after the fifth or sixth guy who absolutely sucks, according to Will Muschamp, maybe the maybe it's you who sucked all along. All right, uh, two more. We gotta go. Two more. Okay. Um, hmm. at, uh, our friend Andy Carp at the Carp twenty ten. Did the Wyoming Cowboys have a good year? Hashtag go Wyo. Uh, oh man. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, if, they're if still you, Wyoming. They're still on the upward trajectory of the of the of the build, not rebuild, just the sort of the build from scratch from Craig mm-hmm. Bowl. They fell prey to a vortex of publicity on their quarterback. He did not bring that upon himself. The national guys did that to him. Um, this is another thing we discussed last week in New York yeah. uh, during our college football meetings. So I'm going to say yes, they did because I know what they came from and they're going to a bowl. And to me, that means they're moving in the right direction on a, on a very surface level evaluation. How's that? Okay. Uh, and yeah, from a 20,000 foot view. Yeah. They went seven and five. That's good. No questions asked. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we start digging into their losses, 10 points at Boise, six points to Fresno set three to sit. Well, <laughs> three points to San Jose state is terrible because San Jose state was miserable but that's one bad loss. Uh, their other two losses were to Iowa and Oregon. And granted, uh, they, they looked like crap in those games and never had a prayer, but it was still mm-hmm. the power conference teams. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was it was a successful. I just, you know, you know, my feelings on this whole Josh Allen thing It is irresponsible at this point to do what they're doing to Josh Allen. Um, this Definitely actually not his ties. fault, and, and everybody wants to turn it into a Lamar thing. Like Josh Allen didn't do that; we did that, right? And that's this ties. This doesn't count as the second question. But our friend Brad Wilgus asked about like uh, Mc, uh, having McShay mock draft Josh Allen to the Broncos at number six in the draft this coming year. And, and and I've already I've already ranted about this, and I'm trying not to. Josh Allen had a miserable, terrible year. Wyoming was 126th in passing S and P plus this year. Don't draft him that high because when you draft him that high, you have to play him. Yeah. I, I was, this is just ridiculous. Get your money, Josh Allen. Hopefully you don't end up screwed by situation. Hopefully you fall a little bit. Hopefully you can red shirt for a year. Cause I mean, everybody sees the hand cannon that he has. Or maybe, 
maybe they maybe the Saints finally have to get rid of Breeze and they just have to take somebody in the first round and spend like way too much money on them. Sorry, went off so, a tangent so there. Taking, okay, you're taking a favorite team and a hated team and you're mashing them together. That's true. Uh, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, seriously, that's just that's irresponsible too. No, but right. 126, uh, 126 in passing us and I got the last one. You ready? Okay. Yes. It just came in. I like it. Uh, ben Dewalt asks, "You ready?" Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Stanford, Wisconsin, all four second-tier or lower programs that have had a great deal of success recently compared to their historical benchmarks. Questions, which falls off first? Do any win a national title? How long do you see each team's run going? Um, the, the, the Of the four, the most stable to me are Stanford and Wisconsin. Okay. Wisconsin exists in an, in a, <laughs> in an yeah. above-average system that borders on elite. I know obviously they're having issues with the East when they get to Indianapolis every year, but they are nothing and they are nothing if not consistent. Right. I I mean, the issues with the East, it was a seven point loss last year. And what was it this year? Like three or six. Yeah. I mean, mean, hashtag karma. They work (laughs) around the biggest gamble in college sports, which is hiring a coach. Mm -hmm. They survive that. So kudos to them. Um, Stanford, I would put, Probably even more consistent. Um, although the North is the, the North has sort of fleshed itself out in recent years because the two Washington schools came back from the dead. Obviously, Washington in a big way, and Wazoo is always a violent entity, if nothing else. Um, but still, Stanford is Stanford is Stanford. And of all the schools that you want to lump in, lazily or no, where you talk about smart schools, they're the most dangerous mm-hmm. for sure. And that includes Michigan. Um, uh, okay, these two right here. We talked about Michigan State last week. In great de- in great detail, and then Okie State. So, can you tell me in the next five years, do any of these schools win a national title? No. If if okay. somebody does, it's probably Stanford. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, as far as falling off first, I think we, I mean, we we hit this pretty strong last week, but it's Michigan yeah. State. Well, right. It, it's Michigan it State. Has to be. Well, it, yeah, it, it's Michigan State because we saw them fall off. Uh, that doesn't mean it'll definitely happen again, but we've seen evidence that they can fall off. Falling off for Oklahoma State at this point, it's like eight and four. Um, and Stanford, it's like eight and four where they suddenly can't finish drives in the end zone anymore. And Wisconsin, it's like 10 and two or something. Um, but we know what the floor is for Michigan State because we saw it. And that alone makes yeah. them the most likely to to repeat it. I think for the most part, I agree with what you just said. It's kind of funny. I said, like, I, I do think that Stanford is the team that has a shot at a title. I'd also put them on the second most likely to fall off list simply because I think they would have the most trouble replacing their head coach. Um, David Shaw has proved to be very, very, very good. And I know like you, you've, I, you've mentioned before that if Shaw leaves, maybe they go after Derek Mason. Um, it's possible. That's fine. But they, that's D- Derek Mason isn't David Shaw. Um, and I, like with the, with the natural kind of the resource disadvantages they have when it comes well, let's to see like, what Mike Bloomgren does in two or three years at Rice. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's got the, like the coaching tree is starting to expand and maybe one of the, maybe we find that one of them. Kills it's it. a, dude, it's a nice little tree. I mean, you include Mike Sanford in there. Like yeah. it's, it's not bad. 
Right. But none of those guys, like there isn't a natural born successor. And then if you don't nail the hire, then you're back to being having Stanford problems with, with uh, the academic uh, requirements and the, the non, you know, the, the, the facilities that the football wise aren't as amazing. Um, so I would say that Stanford is both the most likely to win the national title and the second most likely to fall off. Um, I, I think I would put Oklahoma state ahead of them in terms of stability because I saw their damn facilities, even if Gundy ever leaves and it kind of seems like he won't now. Um, I think they are at a really nice cruising altitude. That's good. I'm not really going to, yeah, I won't argue that. Um, the last question, how long do you see each team's run going? I mean, that's so, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it's weird. It, it, we, I, I never left the paradigm of, of what, it, what are the neighbors real estate look like? Like what, what, right. especially with Michigan state, because we think now if Penn state's operating at the same capacity or 85% of Ohio state, and then you have Michigan, what, that's how we're viewing Michigan state first and foremost. And then my, my instinct was, I did the same thing just now in Stanford. And then my instinct on Oklahoma state is to think, well, they're very good in a very volatile conference year in and year out. Um, I mean, is it a run if you're just completely snake bit by your in-state rival? And then I was thinking about the Texas issue, but I, st- I don't really think that would affect Oklahoma State all that much. I still think they're going to – God, what have they won, three in a row in Austin? I sure as no, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're I, doing okay. I have no right to even talk about some Texas as if it's an inevitability. Oklahoma State owns that conversation right now, and we should – so I guess it's, it's a challenge to us uh, to not look at these teams purely – in their relative to their environments because they're doing things out they're doing things that that uh are that kind of run counter to the logic of what their environment presents yep all right bill yeah i feel like i'm getting the swing of this podcasting thing my, there you go good good, good. Might come back next now, and then suddenly and soon enough you'll sound good again too <sighs> yeah i apologize for the mic quality this week um all right uh we'll be back next week we're gonna do round two of the bowls again uh one more reminder just do PA, do hashtag PAPN17 so we don't try and answer it on next week's show. You're in questions. Come with your best stuff. And also, I forgot to mention this at the outset of the show. If you tag it with any proof of purchase on any type of donation, because you got to make them because you got to get them write-offs um, hmm. in the next, what, three weeks, two weeks? Um, anything. Three. I don't care who – I don't care if it's for a church. I don't care if it's for – literacy uh red cross flood relief whatever it can be for any charity uh we will bump you to the front of the line yeah love it please don't make me do my homework i am an investigative journalist so don't send me any fake receipts or i'm gonna be in that ass you hear me you don't want that nope i want me in that ass bill (laughs) we're gonna come back next week i have to keep saying it now because you know dad left for a pack of cigarettes it didn't come back for five weeks <laughs> i kept trying to bring Promise. in a new dad each you know here and there new mom at one point the body rejected it as they should <laughs> as there's only one true co-host all right uh we'll see you next wednesday yep